Hello, hello, lovely listeners, all of you ghouls and goblins, and everything in between. Welcome to Across the Veil with Zelda Kimball and Emma Ragsdale. All right, you ready for this? <laughs> Are you excited? Are you zazzed? I'm so zazzed. Didn't know what was happening, but I'm zazzed. Um, I surprised Emma with an episode today before, <laughs> I, before I go on a little bit of a vacation. She was like, like, come on in, we'll like do this thing. And I thought we were going to do an audition for her. Um, but no, it turns out that I'm going to be recording my own voice with her. <laughs> and I was like, I'm just going to go have some dinner. Boom, episode. Boom, we're doing an episode. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> So Emma. So Zelda. Today we're going to be talking about white ladies in Germany. <laughs> and now you might be thinking, Zelda, what does this have to do with the paranormal? <laughs> and to that I say, these white ladies are special. Ooh, special white ladies. Yes. They're ghosts. <gasps> and harbingers of death and misfortune. Oh, yes, that's the best kind of white lady. <laughs> that's the type of white lady I am. It's <laughs> Watch your privilege, white lady. <laughs> Haunting. That's Haunting. my privilege. So I'm going to tell you about one of the most famous ghosts, Anna Sydow. Her life, her death, and some of her hauntings. Oh, I think I've heard of Anna Sydow. Yeah, she's a big ghost. Not enough to, like, pull information out of my ass, but I guess you're going to do that for me. I'm going to do that for you, and now you'll know. (laughs) Now I'll know. Um, This is just a PSA to start this episode. I'm going to be saying a lot of German words, and I don't know German, so if I'm wrong, I apologize in advance. I'm trying my best. And with the power invested in me and what Google has given me, mm-hmm. damn right, I'm going to try to pronounce these words. Mm-hmm. Only God and I can judge you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Emma. So as I was compiling my research on my intended spooky lady, I fell down a rabbit hole that led me to investigate the hauntings of the entire Hohenzollern family line. So it looks like it's time for a little bit of a history lesson for some context before we jump into the paranormal. We do love a history lesson. Love a history lesson, especially because this is about ancient German monarchy, which I feel like we don't cover enough in our day to day. We only make fun of monarchies. We haven't (laughs) covered enough of them. We really haven't talked about royalty in any way other than contempt. Mm -hmm. So let's get some history in. Yeah. The noble house of Hohenzollern began their dynasty in Swabia which we would now recognize as a small part of southwestern Germany, in the town of Heisingen in the 11th century. The first mention of the ancestors of the Hohenzollern were mentioned in 1016. So this family has history before most of the history that we have previously talked about on this podcast. That's impressive. We really are going ancient. (laughs) We're going way back. Way back. Members of this ancient German dynasty were princes, electors, kings, and emperors. Electors, by the way, are exactly what they sound like. They were elected to an office, but nepotism and family ties obviously helped a bunch. You know, yeah. you only got elected if like, you were already uh-huh. kind of royal. Sure. Sure. They, they were the mod apatows yeah. of ancient <laughs> German society. It's like, sure, you got this role, but... But did you earn it? <laughs> Their influence reached as far as Romania, and they controlled Prussia and the German Empire. They ruled and even expanded their power until 1871, when the unification of the German Empire happened, and the Hohenzollerns became the hereditary German emperors and kings of Prussia, a title that held until the defeat of Germany during the First World War, where they were overthrown and the Weimar Republic was established, ending the German monarchy. Yeah. So now we're kind of caught up to history we've learned in yeah. school. But these people were doing their shit up until oh, yeah. the First World War. Jeez, they were going. <laughs> they were going. Being royalty did not spare this family, 
and it was said that they were cursed. Lightning effect. Uh, yeah, I can do that. Their curse was to be eternally haunted by ghosts, specifically women in white, who are famously the souls of ladies that the family has wronged. Serves them right, comeuppance has to come up. One of the most famous ghosts that is said to haunt this family is our spooky gal, Anna Sidow. While this is how most people know her, she's also been called the White Lady of Spanadow Citadel. But since we know her name, I'd prefer to call her by that, and not just the place she haunts, because that's feminism, baby. Mm -hmm. Spanadow Citadel is a fortress on an island in Berlin, where the Havel and Spree rivers meet. This thing was a behemoth, and construction took three and a half decades, from 1559 to 1594. It was constructed with a bastion system, which meant that the enemies had no blind spots. However, it was attacked multiple times over the years that it had stood, most notably by Napoleon, who, with the rest of the French forces, left it in ruin by 1813. The German government restored it in 1935, but then it was used as a military nerf gas laboratory. No, no, oh, fucking course it was. Yeah, oh, yes. I knew the Nazis were gonna come into it yeah, somehow. Yeah, sorry. It did keep out Soviet forces during World War II, until they surrounded the building, preventing entrance and exit. So the commander surrendered. Now it's one of the best kept Renaissance fortresses in the world, and a huge tourist attraction for architecture nerds and ghost hunters. So our lady, Anna, was a pretty normal girl, born around the 1500s, the parents Andreas and Gertrude. But she had a secret. She was the lover of Joachim II, King of Brandenburg, who already did have a wife. Actually, this was his second wife. Oh no. So his wife at the time was Hedwig Jagelian, who was crippled in an accident in 1549 and left to use crutches for the rest of her life, while Anna had a great time being officially recognized publicly as the king's new boo-thang. Apparently, his wife, Hedwig, was impaled on antlers when the floor gave out at the family hunting lodge. What? Which, oh, and this is gonna piss you off. According to the king, this is a real quote from this man, took the pleasure out of both marriage and hunting. What? <laughs> That's what he said about his crippled wife. She got impaled. Yeah. She was impaled, and he's like, well, she's harder to fuck now, and, and also now hunting kind of has, like, a little damper on it. Yeah, yeah. it's like, oh, it's sad. Oh, it's harder now, because I had to be traumatized. And she's like, I can't walk. <laughs> and you have a new girlfriend. <laughs> like, ah! Yeah, dude deserved to be haunted. And it's a good thing that uh, Hedwig did end up outliving the king. So, <gasps> Oh slay, my god, queen, slay. <laughs> Anna and Joe II lived relatively happily for many years in Grunwald, right outside of Berlin. They had two children, a son who died when he was nine. Happened all the time in yeah. those days. Normal stuff. Yeah. And a daughter named Magdalene of Brandenburg. Years later, Joe succumbed to an illness and requested that his son, that he had had with his actual wife, so this was the guy taking the throne, to take care of Anna. Take what? care? Not, not in a Game of I Thrones thought... way, you dirty, dirty <laughs> I'm whore. sorry. I see you for what you are. I'm sorry. No, but basically his dad was like, Hey, you know, my mistress, officially recognized, can you take care of her when I die? And his son was like, yeah, dad, I'll do that. That's sweet. I got you. His son was named Johann Jorg. Jorg. Jorg? G-E-O-R-G. Jorg? Jorg. <laughs> his son was named Johann. Let's just leave it <laughs> His son was named Johann. <laughs> Johann, and he did have a last name. And it was something George adjacent. <laughs> yes. However, right after the king died, his son threw his father's mistress into the citadel as a prisoner. Wait, what? Yeah. 
immediately. What? Dad was dead, and he's like, oh, you know, I said I was going to take care of you. Psych! Stop. Like, maybe he's trying to defend his mom. Yeah. Ew. It was still kind of like a shitty thing to say to your dying dad. It's like, yeah, I'll protect the woman you love. And then like, ah, throw her in the keep. I don't give a fuck. My name might be Georg. <laughs> this gets even worse because their daughter, his half-sister Magdalene, was also forced into an arranged marriage with one of Johann's pals, Andreas Cohen, the clerk at the court. The elector is said to have asked the tax official, do you want to be my brother-in-law? And that's how he decided to marry off his half-sister. What? Women were used <sighs> as currency in these days. I'm having heart palpitations. I know, I'm so mad. <laughs> I'm so mad. Like, I, I threw her mom in jail, but do you want to marry her and we can be brothers? Yeah, we can be, like, brothers for real this time. Yeah, these men deserve a fucking haunting, and this entire thing reads like a medieval Am I the Asshole post on Reddit. It really does. And you are the asshole. <laughs> this is so many twists and turns. <laughs> Thank you. It's gonna get crazier. Oh my god. Anna was a prisoner of the Citadel until her death, and then, even after that, it is said that she still wanders the halls of Spanadau Citadel. Staff and visitors have reported numerous sightings over the years. During the restoration in 1709, they even found bones, which they believed to be Anna's, and then they buried them, hoping to put an end to her haunting. Didn't work, she's still spooking around, can't keep a bad bitch down! No, you cannot! According to another version of the legend, Anna Seidau was immured alive in the Grunwald Hunting Lodge. And if you're wondering, like I was, what immurement is, it is also known as immeration or entombment. This punishment was basically locking someone in a tiny little space until they died. So Anna not only haunts the Citadel, it is also said that she specifically haunts the family that caused her eternal torment by being a harbinger of death. After leaving his stepmommy to rot, Johann continued his rule doing fun things like imposing taxes on the poor hmm. and exiling Jewish people from Brandenburg. No! Yeah, this guy fucking sucks. He sucks! Oh, he's just the worst. On January 1st, 1598, eight days before his death, it was said that he was visited by a terrifying specter who told him, the princes of the Hohenzollern line will be haunted by ghosts until the bloodline ends. He spent his last days in a state of terror and paranoia, and his descendants were haunted until the monarchy ended. Yay! Yes! Yay! That's what you get for being a huge dick stick. We have to let she her in. She has to come in. Come in. <laughs> if you hear movement, or you hear a little... That's Emily. That's Emily. She's needy. And she wants to be on the podcast. <laughs> Hi, baby. Here are some stories about other hauntings that I could find. One is the haunting of King Frederick William IV of Prussia. This story comes from the mid-1800s. It's said that Freddy saw this apparition while he was visiting his cousins, the King and Queen of Saxony. The night was unnaturally still. There was an odd fog that engulfed the castle. Sentries reported that they saw five spectral figures walking towards the King's chambers. The white woman was in the lead, followed by four pallbearers carrying a casket that contained a headless figure with a crown where its head should have been. The next day, King Frederick reported feeling very ill, which continued for three months until he had a hemorrhagic stroke that left him debilitated until he died. Years earlier, in 1678, Erdman Philip, who was a margrave of Brandberg, similar to a British marquis, 
said that he saw the lady in white sitting in an armchair in his bedchamber. In the next few days, he would die of injuries sustained when his horse fell on the race course. Finally, my favorite story is that of Friedrich I, king in Prussia. The story goes that he was getting ready for bed, and the white lady parted the hanging fabric around his bed, looked right at him, then drifted into the adjoining room and broke a bunch of dishes. Much like a poltergeist. Friedrich special ordered a coffin to be made the next day, and he died that evening. However, rumors say that the king did not see the ghost, but instead, it was his jealous wife, Sophia Luisa, who thought that her husband was sleeping around with a countess. She was getting her hair powdered before bed, but she flew into a rage and ran into the king's bedchamber wearing only a bedsheet to try and catch him in the act. She was so furious that she apparently leapt through a glass door, and when her husband saw this bloody, powder-covered, sheet-wearing maniac, he freaked out, thinking that the ghost had come for him and that his death was near. Though, if he had actually been with another woman, his death might have been swifter. Mm-hmm. Firstly, what a klutz. <laughs> girl, girl, like, you went through a glass door, you're in a sheet, you're covered in powder, and then he dies because he got so freaked out. Like, girly pop. Honestly, comedy bears. I'm obsessed with her. What a dramatic way to do that, too. Oh, yeah, no, and she also went to the next room, and she broke a bunch of dishes. She got so mad. She got so mad, she was like, you're not sleeping with the Countess? Fuck! There have been countless stories over the centuries, but these were just a few of my favorite, so feel free to look up more if you're curious. Since there is no longer a German monarchy, the ghost has appeared to fewer and fewer people over the years, but she is still cited very rarely, perhaps as a lingering reminder of the terrifying power of a woman scorned. All of these hauntings might not have been done by just Anna Seidau. Another story tells the tragic tale of Agnes, Countess of Orlamund, who had two children with Count Otto of Orlamund before his death in the mid-14th century. After his death, Agnes is said to have fallen madly in love with a younger man, named Albert the Handsome, of the Hohenzollerns. When Agnes confessed her feelings to Albert, he supposedly told her that he couldn't marry her because there were four eyes watching them and standing in their way. Albert meant his parents, who disapproved of their marriage because she was a widow, but Agnes believed that he meant her two children, so she did what any sane person would do, and murdered them both by driving a golden needle into their brains through their ears. Very La Llorona of her. Yeah. Which is a woman in white. Exactly. <gasps> Listen, all these cultures have stories they that are. are similar. There are more versions of this tale that say the weapon was a silver hairpin given to her by Albert, or a spinning needle. And some suggest that after Albert discovered her horrific crime, he rejected her, she went mad, and killed herself. Other versions of the story have her run off and become a nun, as, like, a way to repent for her sins, but, like... that I feel like nun is for, like, escaping a misdemeanor, you yeah. know? Or, like, a sexy sort of crime. Yeah, a sexy crime of passion, mm -hmm. but killing your two kids? Infanticide? Nah. Nah. You deserve to go down in history as somebody who lost it. Mm -hmm. You don't get a redemption arc. No, you Sorry. don't. Sorry. Your Sorry. sequel canceled. <laughs> During my research, I actually discovered that if you visit Berlin... There is an experience called the Berlin Dungeon, and they have rides and do live ghost stories and other fun interactive theater things. This sounds right up my alley. Yeah, it's so wild and I need to go immediately. Oh my god. Let me tell you some of the attractions because... <laughs> 
Chef's kiss. <laughs> the elevator of doom. Yes. Escape through the secret tunnels. Oh my god. The curse of the witch. Stop. The white lady. <laughs> and finally, the drop ride. Fuck yeah. Hi, um, Dungeons of Berlin. I would like to go to Please you. Please sponsor us to go <laughs> go see your stuff. I want to go so bad. We'll blog the whole thing. I don't know. We'll do something. Yeah. So I paid special attention to the white lady experience, which was just, you know, my, most of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I paid special attention to the white lady experience and found that the show takes you to the dungeons of 1609 and the crypt keeper will tell you the story of the white lady and other historical scary stories. So their website is pretty cool. It rates the show a four out of five on the scary scale and it keeps hinting that a bona fide white lady might appear, which means it's interactive theater, which takes me back to our hot days at Universal Studios, scaring people for just over minimum wage. Mm -hmm. Pay creatives more. To end the episode, I just have to say that ghost stories are not accurate representations of history. People get jumbled, memories become mixed up and confused, and the stories become mythologized. It's not up to me to say definitively that anything I've told you today is the truth, but I thought it would be interesting to recount a series of hauntings based around this one family. It is these stories that keep history alive, and I hope you've enjoyed learning at least something new about white ladies. <laughs> About the German monarchy before World War One, which I, is an area of history a lot of people don't know about. I certainly didn't. I learned a ton. Ghost stories are a way of keeping history alive. I think that's a really great way of putting it. Yeah, it, it might not be fact. No. But there might be facts in there. Yeah, and also it gives people a reason to keep learning about it. It's like, oh, the area of paranormal interests me. In the meantime, I'm also learning about things that actually did happen. I like that in her lore, her hauntings went down as the family died away. I did what I needed to do. The monarchy, dead. And I got to tell them that they were gonna go. She's kind of like a banshee as well in a way, because mm -hmm. banshees are harbingers of death. No, so it's really cool that I think we get to talk about all of these different cultural phenomena that do have very similar roots. Mm -hmm which I think explains why people have these fears. Yeah. Because obviously, you know, you lock your stepmommy up, you're gonna get haunted by some of those guilty feelings mm -hmm. if you're in any way, shape, or form a human with a conscience. Exactly. You're always gonna have that sort of haunting, whether it's an actual ghost or if it's just regret. Especially if you have power and you mm -hmm. abuse it, there's gotta be some guilt. Plus, if you also already have the belief on its own that ghosts are real or mm -hmm. that there are supernatural things that exist, so you have those associations of negativity and spirituality in your mind. Yeah. <laughs> Our managers are telling us <laughs> that we need to wrap it up right now. But that's all we have for this week. So for now, we're done. But we'll see you next time, across the veil. <laughs>